okay so can you give me a little bit introduction of yourself like and what do you do mm-hmm. so my name is chris johnson mm-hmm. and um i uh volunteer at two prisons mm-hmm. uh teach buddhism mm-hmm. and meditation so buddhism as in i teach the philosophical aspects of buddhism and meditation So the idea is that um there's kind of a, an informed practice mm-hmm. not just uh sitting with no background so uh myself and my colleagues we go in to provide uh philosophical uh structural psychological background and right. tools to work in conjunction with the the meditation practice and I got my start doing that uh through Dihong Mm, yeah. Um, I met Di Hong and John Fries. Right. They introduced me uh to their their program mm-hmm. and um I've been looking for a way to to do that. Uh and so it was a very fortunate happenstance. <clears throat> um the ability to do that mm-hmm. inspired me and I I came across some articles or story I can't remember it was so many years ago now about somebody who had taught meditation in prison. Right. And at the time I thought you can do that? Mhm. Like <laughs> that's an option for people. Right. And I read the story and it's a very emotional story because the guys were explaining their experience and how they were touched and changed and saw things differently and it really opened my eyes and I said, "Oh wow, I have to investigate this." Right. And so I you know set my sights on uh that direction then came across those two individuals. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah, even even I got to know about like I was very shocked to know like oh you can teach about meditation inside the prison. I got to know in fact while I was doing a month Camino walk and where I met like a one of the guy who was doing this Camino mm-hmm. and he was like a, in past like he was is a, a prisoner kind of for some kind of crime but then he said like now he was working as a mentor like inside the prison so that's how i got to know like oh he can like you know he can teach you meditation and yoga and all that stuff so i was like very shocked too and that kind of made me and there was some series and some research that i was reading and all and that really makes me feel like i really want to yeah. like yeah perfect okay so my next question is can you give me a brief definition of mindfulness meditation in your own word like what do you think what is mindfulness meditation is according to you loaded question <laughs> <laughs> um so i think in in the way that i like to approach it because in 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 some ways mindfulness meditation is almost a meaningless term right okay. um it's thrown around so wildly that um there's no kind of uh real um structure to it or definition to it that mm-hmm. uh so for for me um i look at it as a very open approach mm-hmm. to teaching or to meditation practice okay. um something that instills within somebody the power to um bring up a certain uh calmness mm-hmm. about them yeah. to uh allow 
ease to develop in somebody's life to create a space for this uh, kind of ease to grow right. in somebody's life because if they're stressed out or whatever their life is very constricted mm -hmm. and people often feel trapped by stress and whatever it is and so yeah. if you can provide a space for this ease mm -hmm. and calmness to grow within somebody right. that's the approach that that i take and hopefully it also instills some sort of a support value structure support that they can lean upon mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um as well right yeah so uh technique is a whole other thing so mm -hmm. you know there's many techniques but that's the core of what i try to get to when i teach it okay <clears throat> uh my next question is like when you go to the prison about teaching mindfulness meditation like which technique like do you use like do you use uh, body scanning mm -hmm. or do you use uh, like a mantras like you know or do you use just like focusing on breathing like what mm -hmm. type of um, meditation do you kind of work on with? yeah great um follow-up mm -hmm. um i use a variety of techniques okay so for most of the most of the time i see uh the groups that i work with right. maybe once a month sometimes mm -hmm. twice a month so um, I come in there and I don't want to give them the same dinner every time. Okay. Otherwise, they will get. Bored. They can, yeah, they yeah. can practice counting right. if that's the technique I bring them. Mm -hmm. They can do that on their own. So I like to give them a, a a toolbox rather than one tool. Right. So I will try to anchor. I usually anchor somewhere around breath meditation. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to bring in a variety of of approaches. So. Sometimes we do body scans, um, sometimes element meditation, um, uh, breath manipulation, mm -hmm. um, sometimes noting techniques. Okay. So I, I try to expose people because I work with uh, groups at a time. It's mm -hmm. very rarely one-on-one, -on -one, so not everybody can use the same technique. technique right. So I can't, I feel like... It, I'm not doing justice or service if I come in and just, this is the way it has to be, teach it this, you know, this way each time. So mm -hmm. um, I try to expose them to what they can. And if I'm sitting with a group of experienced people, uh -huh. um, we may just sit in silence because they can all work the way they want to work on something. So, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. <clears throat> My next question, do you think teaching inmates about mindfulness meditation allow space for them to consider themselves as a part of the human community? Because usually they've been always seen like, okay, you're not part of this community since, you know, you made a crime. Even though when they come out of that zone, like, you know, there have been still this kind of uh, mm -hmm. impact like people have on them. So do you think when you teach them about this uh, meditation and all they find a space for themselves and like they feel that they are part of the community since like because teaching like when once they learn my mindfulness meditation like you know it doesn't bother that much when somebody says something to you because mm. you're just you know, about you're just thinking about your own space and what you're so what is your take on that absolutely um mm -hmm. i do think i see that reflected uh often Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it's blanket that it happens to everybody, um, especially at the same rate. Mm -hmm. But I've witnessed people um, 
able to get out of their mental prisons, mm-hmm. uh, able to, you know, in other words, or maybe come out of their shell in a way and be able to uh, relate to the group of people that were sitting in at the time. Right. Or reflect back to me their experiences on the in the prison life uh, larger, mm-hmm. or begin to think about the people outside of the prison whose lives they impacted, right. or mm-hmm. the 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 plans they have when they get back out, mm-hmm. and how they want to connect with those communities. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen that kind of sprout within people and grow over time, and I think that meditation is probably the tool that allows a lot of that transformation because there's a lot of psychological stuff you can read Mm -hmm. but unless you actually give yourself a practice to kind of water that seed Mm -hmm. you know let it grow within you um it's just you know know, reading so i think that's a powerful tool to enable that process thank you Okay. Um, how do the prisoner resp- uh, prisoner respond to the mindfulness meditation? Do they continue practicing meditation after the course, or do you think they don't? <laughs> um, it's a mix. A mixed basket. Okay. Um, <clears throat> some people um, come to me specifically for meditation. Oh. And okay. that's their that's their thing and they are very dedicated Mm -hmm. and they'll be meditating four or five hours a day wow yeah (laughs) you know they (laughs) they they start telling me about all their you know they start advancing into some really interesting territory definitely um but then i have other people who they just want to come and express devotion to the bitta right they don't really care about the meditation they'll do it Mm -hmm. but they're probably not doing it outside of the group Mm mm-hmm so it's really a mixed bunch and and you have to or I have to be able to provide service to all of that okay um, so as I try to work with that range of of people and um, sometimes it tends to focus more in one area than in the other, but I would say by and large, most of the people uh, are interested in meditation, and that's their primary interest the majority of people perfect okay uh do you have any stories of inmate that you can share like how does he or she incorporates with mindfulness meditation in their daily life Mm. um yeah i asked people to tell me this so um they'll wake up before everybody else Mm -hmm. prison life is very structure right and the places where i serve uh, they live in dormitories so mm-hmm. they don't have a little cell to themselves or with one other person they live in like with all giant a bunch dorm. Of people. yeah yeah so it's loud it's noisy there's no privacy yeah you know so it's not the ideal meditation space so they they tell me stories like okay they have to get strategic i mm-hmm. wake up half an hour before everybody else so i have half an hour to sit on my bunk Mm-hmm. In, in quiet mm-hmm. um, or when they do head count that's another time where I can steal some time away for meditation mm. um, and then a lot of them do like to do a kind of casual walking meditation mm-hmm. so they can just walk around the yard in a contemplative manner mm-hmm. um, 
So I found them telling me how they strategically can fit meditation in their day. You can imagine if somebody's on their bunk like this all the time, (laughs) (laughs) the names they might get called or teased, and they do, and some of them, they don't care, and some of Mm -hmm. them, yeah, they they do. Yeah. Okay. Okay, what are some misconceptions we might have about prisoners, like as outsiders? What do you think? What are the misconceptions we might have? Like, since you kind of work work there, like, you know, what are the differences that you can see that we can't see, like, as an outsider, you know? Yeah. Um, just my own. I can think about just my own perceptions mm-hmm. and how they've changed. Mm-hmm. I probably thought that... Um, I envision most people as being hardened criminals, mm-hmm. you know, just really rough and tough. And yes, that exists, and there are mm-hmm. those people, but um, the majority of the people uh, had an accident, a lapse of judgment, mm-hmm. a bad decision here and there, and they are just like everybody else. Right. Um, they may have some disadvantages in their life, but... Mm-hmm let them get there you know lack of opportunity and structure you know social issues that that didn't provide social you know safety nets and opportunities for them but by and large they're um uh just kind of like everybody else it's not the hollywood uh version of uh prison life that we always see portrayed mm-hmm. and surprisingly I find that they are extremely uh, reflective. Mm-hmm. They have a high level of emotional intelligence and awareness. Mm-hmm. They are able to have a um, deep level of conversation uh, at, the, you know, pretty much when first meeting them very often. And. <clears throat> They are able to let their guard down mm-hmm. and have this interaction, which I don't even have with my friends <laughs> very often. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. But uh, in there, they're mm-hmm. just kind of have this open up honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've had some dishonest uh, communications, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I find that to be a surprise mm-hmm. to me. I, I wasn't sure I was expecting that. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, how long you have been volunteering with this present project? Like, I think this is going on five years. Five years? Yeah. Okay. And what are your like work experience? How do you like working in there? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I absolutely love it. Uh, the it can be so, it can be taxing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. Physically taxing, the long, long days can be a little rough. Mm-hmm. I start at 3 a.m. and don't get back home until 8 or 9. Wow. So it's a very long day, and lots, lots of driving. So that aspect um, is hard, but almost every time I walk away from the prison at the end of the day, just feeling emotionally uplifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's been occasions where something has happened in the prison or there's been a uh, 
a hard day where it's, mm-hmm. it can be like, feel like you get kind of punch in the gut feeling. And mm-hmm. those are rare. Um, the majority of the time, it feels pretty good. Okay. Uh, what benefits do you experience from teaching meditation? Like for your own <clears throat> self, like as you're teaching them? <laughs> <laughs> I have to learn it really well <laughs> to okay. teach it. Okay. Um, it keeps me honest. Uh, mm-hmm. in that, well, if I'm going to go over there and do that, I have to put in the work myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be able to show up for them mm-hmm. um, and not feel, you know, if I'm not doing the work on the outside, then when I go inside and do anything, it doesn't feel genuine. So it keeps me honest in that respect. Um, and... <clears throat> I think I've, I've I've learned a lot about just interaction, you know, with, with these mm-hmm. people, uh, this population. Um, and I had some you know, discussions with with the men over time and. They told me that um, I'm distilling a few conversations that I've had that are very memorable. Right. That um, they don't have role models. Okay. Real life role models. Okay. And so, and especially some people who've gone in when they may be 16 years old mm-hmm. or something like that, they've grown up right. in the prison. Oh, okay. And they don't have anybody that they, that models just a good behavior to them. Mm-hmm. And it was expressed to me how important that is. And when they see that mm-hmm. in, in me, mm-hmm. um, just how, how important that is to them. So it makes me be a better uh, person. It makes me want to do a better job mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to improve so that I can show up and I can be there and I can be be there for them in whatever capacity that, that they need that. Right. Okay. Um, is it okay I ask you a few more questions? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> okay. fine. Uh, do you think uh, mindfulness, meditation, and yoga goes hand in hand, or what are your takes <clears throat> on that? Absolutely. Yeah? Um, personally, yes. I I had a very good yoga practice, and it's slid uh, a little bit. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, I can tell you just personally, my own personal experience is if I am able to maintain both, they uh-huh. both benefit dramatically. I can see the benefits of yoga show up in my sitting meditations. Right. And I can see the power of the mindfulness while I'm doing the asanas or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I can see both reflected in mm-hmm. one another. Um, <clears throat> in the prison, you know, I don't teach yoga. That's not why uh, I go there. So I feel it's not, uh, you know, it's not under my job description. Right. So I, I really mm-hmm. feel like I can't do it. Uh-huh. Um, I encourage it mm-hmm. and um, I try to tell them the benefits. And some of the guys... They go for it. And so I can have some, you know, put in some yoga here and there or Mm -hmm. show some physical techniques that might help with their 
um, sitting practice or even yoga philosophy. Mm -hmm. So there is some, some bleed through in my experience, uh, that way. And, um, like I said, I, I helped get a yoga program started mm -hmm. at Taft prison. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think they just work together so well. Okay. Um, supposedly it's a conditioned question. Sure. Suppose uh, uh, an inmate come to you and says like they want to practice mindfulness meditation, yoga, whatever, like, you know, but for them it's kind of very hard to even like sit or even to go on the mat, like, you know, what advice do you, will you give them to start, just to start? Mm -hmm. uh, it would be to find something completely unrelated to a formal practice mm -hmm. that they can try. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, okay, basically, uh, so do you want to give me a little bit introduction, introduction about yourself, like your name and, um, yeah. So, I'm a second-year MDiv student in Buddhist chaplaincy, but I have work experience prior to starting here mm -hmm. of working in various nonprofits. Mm -hmm. I think the particular one relevant for your research is is for um, for a nonprofit teaching mindfulness meditation in juvenile incarceration facilities. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So can you tell me a little bit, like a give a brief definition of mindfulness meditation in your own words? What do you think about it? So the basic teaching would be mindfulness of the breath and then mind, mindfulness of feeling tone mm -hmm. within the body mm -hmm. and then mindfulness of, uh, of um, uh, six senses, perceptions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. When I'm teaching the youth, I mm -hmm. keep it as basic as possible. Okay. As simple as possible. Perfect. So, like, you don't you use just the basic one, like uh, focusing on your breath or that kind of one, not like breath like, is the foundation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, how long you been volunteering with this prison project? Uh, I should say though, it's in the juvenile camp system. Okay. So, youth juveniles are sentenced to five to seven or seven to nine months right yeah okay that's the time length so either way though it it is uh being incarcerated yeah it's the same okay. and i would maybe also venture to say that when someone is 14 15 16 mm -hmm. that that nine months can feel quite long maybe mm -hmm. their perception of that time is longer it's more devastating for someone that young mm -hmm. to be incarcerated for that, right. yeah, I for that timeline. Okay. Okay. Uh, like, can you tell me something more about your work experience? Like, when you go there, like, you know, we work with them. What do you feel about it? Like, you know, what is the motivation behind, like, you know, working in there? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say. I would say that meditation is what we do, but providing a secure space for them, because after, it, let's say there's let's say there's an 
hour meeting, <laughs> then meditation would 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 be about twenty minutes mm-hmm. to thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and then in the second half of the class or meeting time, mm-hmm. it's when they can share their feelings or the experiences over the week, if we're meeting weekly, right? Right. So I would say that simply providing a secure space with confidential understanding of what is discussed, mm-hmm. that can be as beneficial as well. Perfect. Right. Yeah. This is uh, this can consider be. So I'm not only facilitating meditation; mm-hmm. I'm facilitating group. Okay. As well. Okay. Perfect. So, while you teach meditation, like you know, did you get any response from the student? Like, okay, how they are liking the mm. meditation program, and how is like you know benefiting them or anything like that? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think the the proof, I guess, of the benefit mm-hmm. is that we remain. Some of the students we remain in contact right. once they're released, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I can help refer them to reentry. Mm-hmm services right there's a bond of trust if you okay. will that's developed Perf- right? yeah, between that's facilitator and, and the person. student mm-hmm. or yeah okay care you, seeker okay so do you think like personally when you teach meditation like you know you get kind of some kind of benefit like how you share like one thing you feel that bonding and like you know there's some bonding you can fix it but at, at the same time do you feel any personal benefits that is like you know for yourself while you teach the meditation and and all sure there's definitely there's definitely a it's a it's it's service work is can be understood as something that's quite an esteemable act it's a good use of one's time mm-hmm. giving back as they say right mm-hmm. or helping those that are underprivileged or what have you but i should say this is where ventures into the personal my karma has brought me here mm-hmm. because i was like them as well right okay okay yeah having grown up in la and mm-hmm. experienced what they experienced okay. when i was younger okay so for me it's not so much it's not like i kind of i chose to work with this population mm-hmm. it's not really mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. right okay more like the karma decided mm-hmm. if that makes sense okay definitely okay uh also i was wondering like you know how you like people like we've been reading and all that stuff where it says meditation and yoga goes hand in hand sure. do you believe in that like like meditation is also about like focusing focusing on your breathing and all that mm-hmm. stuff do you think like even yoga when if the they practice yoga inside like does that help or do you think these two things goes together hand in hand sure i think overall in a in a well designed let's say so let's say there's i had i taught a meditation mindfulness meditation course at an incarceration facility in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it was 10 modules so it was roughly a 10 week course okay and i felt it quite skillful to introduce them to a variety of practices right including yoga mm-hmm. 
So one day would be, or a few days would be on mindfulness of the breath. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it would be yoga mm -hmm. or walking meditation mm. or lying down meditation. Yeah, the body right. scanning. And body all. scan. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. It's good to incorporate mm -hmm. a variety of technique. Uh huh. To yeah. Okay. Perfect. It's great. Okay. The last question. And then yoga. No, it's fine. Sorry. You can yeah. ask them anyone. Okay. Yoga also the kind of the incorporating movement is mm -hmm. wonderful i found yeah plus yeah. yoga has is the has to its benefit quite a a popularity right yeah to it as well yeah the movement itself gave that I mean, like that's what i've been reading so far like the yoga movement itself helps them to like calm down and yeah. to see the watch the yes. breath and everything so and, and participation is key mm -hmm. yoga can be quite fun mm -hmm. so it's good to yeah perfect yeah. Uh, do you have any stories from inmate that you can share or he or she how she incorporates with mindfulness meditation in a daily life like how do they practice like once you're done teaching and all like after some time like do they continue practicing or like when they practice do, you, do they face any kind of problem like anything Anybody share with you? Sure, I will. Yesterday, these are for juveniles for re-entry that are trying to finish high school, mm -hmm. that have formerly been incarcerated or been on probation or have been kicked out of kicked out of traditional high schools. Mm -hmm. So, I we led a holy water blessing mm -hmm. for a facility, mm -hmm. and there are about maybe. 30 students mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and one of them one of the students she for our blessing we chanted the uh, Heart Sutra Heart Sutra okay yeah. and I had a translation of the Heart Sutra mm. and that provided for the students mm. and uh, one of the students she's very young Young in age, I should say. Mm -hmm. Perhaps older in spirit. Yeah. Great. She approached me afterwards, and after having heard the chant, she became quite interested. Mm -hmm. And in her own words, she was able to summarize the Heart Sutra. Right. So I found I was quite moved that she was able to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's great. So this there's a notion of uh, planting seeds. Mm -hmm. I find to be the purpose. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is that my job is to my job is to introduce them to meditation, mm -hmm. not to make them become meditators. Right. I find that to be different. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So okay. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, what are the some misconception we might have about prisoners, like you know people who definitely like you know the outsider basically. I mean to say like what are the misconceptions so, like people can have about the prisoners like you know yeah I think? think the uh, Buddha said not to see the person but the conditions right so even the very label of prisoner mm -hmm. or inmate or felon or gangbanger they have a certain they might have a certain relative usage but beyond that it means not much 
And for instance, Father Greg Boyle, who's the mm-hmm. founder of Homeboy Industries, right. he says in the however many long, I think 30 years or so, mm-hmm. he says in the 30 years, I might be incorrectly quoting the time, but anyway, in the amount of time that he's worked in with these groups of people, yeah. he hasn't met a single bad person. Mm, right? right. Well, instead, what he's encountered is mental health mm-hmm. disabilities or disorders, developmental disabilities or disorders, uh, severe trauma, Definitely. horrific childhoods, right? Definitely. That's what he's seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the work that I see. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, those that are incarcerated are within a system that continually tells them mm-hmm. feeds a certain narrative mm-hmm. and they begin to take on that narrative as truth oh you see okay right mm-hmm. yeah and working with that and trying to maybe understand and bring compassion to that conditioning mm-hmm. is also the work meaning the inmate might believe that she or he is a low life Right. Uh, is is a is a menace to society. Mm-hmm. Can never recover. Definitely. Has no chances. Mm-hmm. And meeting that with compassion, love, and kindness, right? and understanding as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Seeing that and and uh, refusing to treat the person how they believe mm-hmm. they should be treated. Does that make sense? That definitely makes. Because so. Yeah, because as a human, we always want to judge on based on what happened, like, instead of looking like, like, there are situations like, because I was reading some articles and all, and it says the same thing what you just mentioned, like, like, you know, the bad childhood and what the, there are other stuff behind the story, which we never try to go reach out to that point and try Mm -hmm. to see that. Mm -hmm. And we just judge based on what crime they have made, but we never think about on the part of like, why did they do that? You know, like, right. you know, so That's right. that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To give you one small example, uh-huh. like we're talking about is uh, I had one student, her favorite thing to, to eat, mm-hmm. they don't, they are not provided good food, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her favorite thing to eat were these, um, these protein peanut butter cookies. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That was her favorite thing to eat. Mm-hmm. And it was not a big deal to at least for me to provide it for her mm-hmm. and it took a while for her to understand that she didn't need to earn this cookie mm. she didn't need to meditate first and then I'd award her with it right. so even this small gesture of giving her a snack mm-hmm. she didn't need to earn it it's something she already deserved yeah definitely so that is one example mm-hmm. and then the correctional officer would try to tell her that she's being spoiled by receiving this, right? Um, so which is like a this, wrong thought puts in their mind, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. not, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like she deserves to have this just yeah, for being her, not definitely. because she performed well or mm-hmm. what have you, right? Of definitely. course, her participation is greatly appreciated, mm-hmm. but that's not yeah. what it's about, right? To give you an idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. There, I would say that Meditation is a piece, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot. It takes a village, as they say, mm-hmm. meaning it's a cooperative effort. I don't see, even as an instructor, meditation as this panacea mm-hmm. to as a, a form of treatment. Mm-hmm. I find it in conjunction with 
with the care of a social worker, with mental health if needed, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, mentorship, reentry services. It kind of takes all of this in cooperation right. to maybe, to use a clinical term, produce mm -hmm. someone well recovered from, right. from, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that makes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay, so my next question is, do you think teaching inmates about mindfulness meditation allows space for them to consider themselves as a part of the human community? Because like, you know, about what we were just talking about, like the way people uh, give them this idea that you've been doing that and you're not, you don't deserve this and all. But yeah. like once they come into this practice and all, do you, do you think like they feel like a community, that they are part of the community, they are accepted, they are loved, you know, no matter what is it? whatever happened sure like, do you, what do you yeah absolutely I think uh, the I think kinship mm -hmm. is critical to uh, for as a benefit mm -hmm. as we're, we are creating mini sanghas mm -hmm. when we form these meditation groups right so yeah, absolutely. It's it's definitely a, a very important piece, and I would say that if we if if I'm working with them, these youth, mm -hmm. many of whom are gang members, mm -hmm. it's not about. So I hear a lot is uh, many of them will say they've been conditioned to say I'm staying out of trouble. Okay. Right, mm -hmm. but abstinence from whatever behavior or lifestyle is only one piece. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about no longer being part of a gang, mm -hmm. but what about what will fill the void then? Mm -hmm. So of course, if we want, it seems only fair if we hope for someone to leave a community, mm -hmm. then must also provide the community that they will be going to right. as well, right? Definitely, yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and then also there, I think there were also research that indicated uh, a temporary mentor, no matter how helpful, mm -hmm. is worse than having no mentor at all. Right. Right. Yes. The abrupt kind of the abrupt uh, the abrupt the abrupt termination of the relationship can. Mm -hmm. Can, I'm sure can issues of abandonment and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a continuing relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So in nonprofits that I'm with is considered a wraparound service. Okay. So we start with, let's say I'm a meditation instructor inside, right. but once they're out, the relationship continues. Uh huh. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. So, uh, what keeps you motivated to continue this work? Um, I believe in something called recovery-based service, uh -huh. not service-based Base recovery. recovery. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't uh, base my own personal wellness mm -hmm. on my capacity to be mm -hmm. of service to them. Mm -hmm. I participate in my own sangha. I participate in my own, I have my own mentor. Right. Who I'm very close with mm -hmm. in my own family. Right. right. It's like, if we expect them to, this is a very, one of the first gang, um, 
very common gang saying is uh, early on is never send someone to do something mm -hmm. you're not willing to do yourself. Right. But Definitely. that still applies in a certain way, mm -hmm. said in a more maybe kind and soft way. Mm -hmm. But basically, if I'm going to have them, uh, if I'm going to encourage them to take on certain practices right. as a lifestyle, mm -hmm. then... I would find it hypocritical to not also do that myself. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. That answers your right. question. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, do you want to add something or like. No, it's all right if you else? have any more questions I or anything. I think I'm good on the questions. Sure. sure yeah. Sure. Thank you so much. I really no problem. appreciate it. No problem. No really problem. appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, we got through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Can I have a little bit introduction about yourself and what do you do? Okay, well, my name is Ji Hong. I am a Buddhist monk. Mm -hmm. I have a, an MA and PhD in Buddhist studies. I graduated in 2015 officially. Mm -hmm. And I have been volunteering in California state prisons since 2013. I've been in at least seven of the prisons on a rec on a monthly basis. Okay. And, Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Um, can you give a brief in, uh, definition of mindfulness meditation in your own words? What do you think? What is this? Um, mindfulness meditation is a practice okay. that allows. A person that helps a person to be able to recognize the issues that are going on in the mind mm -hmm. or that are related to the feelings, to the emotions mm -hmm. through sitting, uh, through the practice of uh, mindfulness. And mindfulness, by definition, is the ability the act of paying attention at a particular object uh, with, without judging, without uh, making comments. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. How long have you been volunteering with this prison project? Uh, since summer of 2013, so it has been more than six years. Oh, that's a long mm -hmm. time. Okay. What are some misconceptions we might have about prisoners or the prison life like as an outsider as an most people outside the prison think that the prisoners have nothing to do that they are violent that they deserve to be punished that mm. seems to be the misconception those are the issues that the public seem to be to be thinking about okay which is which is to, completely which is wrong Oh, yeah. Okay. What do you think? What is like the this, like as you work inside? What do you think? What is different than what other people think outside? When, in inside the prisons, uh, as I work with the folks who come to the meditation group, mm -hmm. they every almost everyone is busy. They have, uh, they have class to take. Mm -hmm. Meaning if they don't finish high school, they have to finish their GED and that's a requirement. Right. Then if for some of them, they can also take college courses through correspondence. Mm. But lately, they also, there are certain prisons that have professors come in, you know, to teach face to face. Right. 
And then they also have to do work, mm-hmm. meaning they have to clean up, they have to cook, they have to do laundry. Uh, they have assignments that do all of this, right. and they get paid very minimum from thirteen cents to forty okay. cents or forty fifty cents. Correct, and, and also fifty five percent of their pay it goes to restitution. To the victims, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they literally get nothing, and then they also have to take self-help classes, mm-hmm. meaning that they have to take classes just such as uh, alternative to violence. Mm. They have to take AA classes, um, NA. Mm-hmm. Then they also have to take vocational training, meaning uh, job training skills. That when they get out, they that those skills can help them to find work. Okay, what motivates you to work for this prison project? Um, my at first my thinking was to give back to this society because right. I went to college for free. Okay, I had a bachelor of science in electrical engineer. I have a master in electrical engineer. I have an MBA. And most of them are free. I also have an MA, like I said earlier, an MA and PhD in Buddhist study, and they're all free. Mm. So my my thinking at the beginning was just to give back to this society. And once I got in, uh, when I noticed the suffering that the prisoners, you know, go through, uh, I it gives me the motivation to help them to deal with their suffering. And also because the majority of them were abused or traumatized at home mm-hmm. or in school, you know. Then I read a lot just so that I can offer them different techniques to help them deal with the issues. Okay. Uh, do you think teaching inmates about mindfulness meditation allows space for them to consider themselves as a part of the human community? Because you know, like. Well, it's. I don't just teach mindfulness meditation. I also teach. I also offer some of the Buddha's teaching, right. which is the Four Noble Truths, the mm. the Eightfold Path, the Three Marks of Existence, the Five Aggregates, along with the mindfulness meditation. All together allows allow them to recognize what's going on in their mind or mm-hmm. what caused them suffering and right. the source of the suffering. Okay. And it allows them to feel to recognize that they're still human and that they they deserve to be forgiven. That and um, they also feel a sense of community, a connection with everyone around them. Ah, uh, thank you. As there are many different ways to practice mindfulness meditation, which practice do you? Use with inmates in prison, like particular, like any, like there are different kind of sitting, walking meditation, body scanning. Which Correct. one do you? Use? Well, we usually do sitting uh, most of the time, okay. and if we have a day long meditation, which right. is from nine o'clock in the morning until eight p.m., mm-hmm. then that's when we, uh, you know, switch between sitting, walking, sitting, and walking. Right. And as we do sitting. Um, So, to start, can you give me a little bit introduction of about yourself and about your work and mm-hmm. what you've been doing? So my name is Tom Moritz. I'm an adjunct professor in uh, psychology, 
divinity and uh, liberal arts here at University of the West. My experience um, has been primarily, well, I, sh I should start by saying uh, I've been in recovery from alcoholism and addiction for over 32 years. And in that context, have taken meetings, um, recovery meetings, into uh, prisons. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, in Northern California, at the, the brig on Treasure Island, which is the Naval, Marine, and Coast Guard mm -hmm. prison on Treasure Island in San Francisco Bay. And I took meetings in there. Here in uh, Southern California, I've been working with Homeboy Industries, uh, and to a little, a small degree, with the Veterans Administration on mindfulness-based approaches to treating um, trauma of various kinds. So, okay. that's my primary experience. So. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give a brief def definition of mindfulness meditation in your own words? What do you think? Like, what is mindfulness meditation? Mm -hmm. Well, mindfulness meditation, generally speaking, is. It's actually a physical practice. It's a yoga, a form of yoga that allows us to stabilize our bodies and to learn from and observe the way that our minds operate. It's a gradual process that, in my opinion, develops, has to be developed over a period of time, often an extensive period of time. And uh, so... The, the way I practice it is we actually try and get the person to assume a comfortable, stable posture of some mm -hmm. sort. Mm -hmm. it can, in the Buddhist tradition, it can be seat, sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, any mm -hmm. of those. Yeah. Uh, with traumatized populations, it's often hard to get them to not fall asleep. Because mm -hmm. very often the first reflex that a person has when they're, they start to relax uh, and they have had no other preparation is simply to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond that, trying to calm down and to be quiet and not fall asleep can sometimes be very painful or very difficult for people, particularly people who have been traumatized in various ways. Mm -hmm. I guess I should say that trauma includes, in, in the populations I work with, it includes family trauma, neighborhood trauma, school trauma, gang trauma, prison trauma, all of the above. And by trauma, I mean events that put a person under extreme stress. Mm -hmm. And that's experienced physically and psychologically. So mindfulness-based meditation is an opportunity for these people to find a way to understand their own trauma and then to find some relief through understanding. Right. So... Perfect. Thank you. Um, what motivates you to work for this project? Like, well, I'm a Buddhist. I identify with Buddhism, and so I um, <laughs> believe very strongly that reducing, relieving the suffering of others. Mm -hmm. I mean, I should say I started by relieving my own suffering. <laughs> That's when I started to do meditation. But I've been meditating for a very long time, right. for over fifty years now, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, initially was a way of relieving my own suffering, but as I've developed my understanding of my own psychic processes, um, I've seen that there's a possibility of being able to share that experience with others and be of help to them. And the fundamental Buddhist precept is to relieve the suffering of others. So that's why I do it. Perfect. Thank you so much.
Um, do you think teaching inmates about mindfulness meditation allowed the space for them to consider themselves as a part of human community? Because like normally they've been always tagged with something like since they made a crime or whatever, so people always see them with that same eyes. But they've been stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah, they've been stigmatized mm-hmm. by their whatever they've experienced in their life, mm-hmm. and um, it depends on the individual. <coughs> but yes, I mean, I think generally speaking, it it can be a way for them to understand their common humanity, particularly when working with a teacher who's skillful in showing them their common, the common dimensions of what it is they've experienced, even very severe trauma. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, uh, what practice do you teach people inside the prison? Any particular one that you do or you would Normally, it's, it's what's called Vipassana or insight meditation. Okay. Um, that's useful, useful both with substance abusers or addicts, alcoholics, and also with... Um, people who are trying to understand the trauma that they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness-based medita- <coughs> meditation tells, teaches us to notice and observe how our body is reacting. And our, by our body, I mean our five senses. And in Buddhism, our sixth sense is consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we learn to observe and become familiar with how our body responds to just simply being in the world. And so that's that's an opportunity to actually gain greater and greater self awareness and understanding. So. Okay. Um, how do the like people you teach mindfulness meditation mm-hmm. like do they continue practicing meditation after the course or do you some think do you, some do not all. Why do you think that happens? Uh, it's hard to know. Um, part of what I notice is that older people tend to be more <laughs> more willing to accept. Okay. Uh, uh, the possibilities of doing it, they may f- they may value it more. For example, we have I've worked with people who've been in prison for a very very long time, up to forty years in the California state prison system, and meditation for them. A lot of them began to do meditation inside the prison, and they find it as a source of if you're in prison, facing all the stressors that are involved with prison work with prison life you can find a source of inner peace and inner calm which serves you no matter what the circumstances are in your life. Mm -hmm. Even in the worst prison circumstances, apparently, because I've not been in that situation, Mm -hmm. but I understand that it it can, even under the worst of circumstances, can give you a source of peace and of calm in the world. So those people who, who have had that serious experience in prison and then do meditation, begin to see the possibilities of that. But I, can, I it's a good question. I can't explain why some people mm-hmm. are actually able to do it and, and uh, others don't. It's, it's an interesting challenge. Right. So. Okay. Uh, what benefits do you experience from teaching meditation? I think I get, I get some sense of usefulness, of just simply being useful and of sometimes helping people uh, mm-hmm. relieve their own suffering uh, those are probably the primary things so. okay uh, this is a conditioned question mm-hmm. supposedly um, a person says like they really want to meditate but 
for them it's like very hard to meditate like you know what i what like even to sit in a place like you know mm-hmm. or even to come to the yoga mat just to even mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. for them it's like hard what suggestion will you advise them to just to get just started well it's a, it's an interesting question um not everyone can meditate mm-hmm. there are people for example i've i haven't had first hand experience but one of the leads down at the homeboy industries father father mark torres has had people confront him physically like stand up during meditation and come over and stand right in front of him in a threatening way uh-huh. some people can't comfortably do it mm-hmm. because getting quiet they depend a lot on dissociation as a way of diverting their attention their emotional energy from what's so painful to them right and meditation sometimes brings that up in a very strong way so people begin to be aware of that of that pain and when they experience it that can be very very difficult so mm-hmm. not everyone can do it um and i don't know i don't have experience with people who have not done it or been unable to do it and then eventually were able to do it mm-hmm. uh, but What I normally tell people to do is to try in very small increments. Okay. Just try it even for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Even if you do 2 or 3 minutes, if you can try and do that and then use some form of focusing your mind on like breathing or maybe a a mot- simple mantra or something as simple as just saying peace, mm-hmm. repeating peace to yourself. There are a variety of Bhikkhu Bodhi says there are I think over a th- 100 different forms of meditation described in the bo- in the Buddhist literature mm-hmm. many many different forms so I try and be creative and thoughtful about the person I'm talking to like if they for example a color can be a form of meditation mm. or music of various kinds some people sometimes for some people focusing on a plant or a flower can be a form of imp- a powerful form of meditation mm-hmm. so you have to try and be creative and experiment with the person and see if you can identify ways mm-hmm. that would will make it easier for them to do the practice so okay um do you think mindfulness meditation and practicing yoga can go hand in hand or do you think any there oh, is absolutely. any connection between this yeah two? i think i think meditation at least in the buddhist tradition meditating for example seated meditation with your legs in mm-hmm. a full lotus half lotus or the burmese posture those are all forms of devotional yoga okay. and in fact a, a meditator a seated meditator is making small adjustments all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. to find stability and and keep their resilience and stability so it's a form of yoga and i think it's particularly if you're trying to do extended sitting like in the buddhist tradition we talk about well in the zen tradition we talk about sessions which are can be up to 10 days you normally and in the buddhist tradition we do retreats the vipassana tradition yeah. retreats and mixing yoga into that is a very helpful way because most people but their bodies can't sit for 8 or 10 or 12 hours a day and not have some cramping some pain and so forth so mixing yoga into that in my opinion is a great idea mm-hmm. so okay thank you um do you have any stories of in maine that you can share how does he or she incorporates with mindfulness meditation in their daily life like you mean like a prisoner you mean like oh whoever like you work in the homeboy industry uh-huh, like yeah, yeah. if anybody have the story like how well, people, they incorporate yeah people do it in different ways but uh, <clears throat> normally what we try and do is we suggest that people wherever their living situation is that they begin early okay almost as soon as possible in the morning 
with even five minutes. Well, many of the people we work with have families, they're living in complex living okay. situations okay. where there's a lot of distraction. Mm -hmm. But I often stress, try doing it in the morning when you're first waking up, even for five minutes if you can, but if you can get do a little bit longer, that's great. They've actually found that women that do it in a detention center up in Seattle that do it for 10 minutes show measurable re brain results. Mm -hmm. So five to 10 minutes to start with. And then during the day, I always recommend, I often recommend that people at least bookend their day. They begin and end with meditation. But even if you can find short period of time during the day, for example, obviously, people go into the toilets and they sit by themselves. They can sometimes meditate uh -huh. there quietly. That's one of the common ways that I suggest to people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's often good that they can find privacy. I also personally recommend people go out into nature whenever possible, do walks in parks. Yeah. Or in quiet areas, gardens, places. Like walking where they, meditation. Or yeah, something. sure. Yeah. Or or even seated meditation in a mm. garden. Yeah. Those are very. Those I I suggest those very often too. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything like out of your experience you want to share about like teaching teaching in the uh, like teaching inside the homeboy industry mm -hmm. like is there any experience with you want to share related to meditation program? I think I think the hardest thing in our situation over there is getting people to come consistently week after oh. week okay. on a recurring basis because it's like learning any gaining any skill it requires consistent practice mm -hmm. and if people don't come back on a regular basis and some do we have we have people at homeboy industries who have come for four or five or longer years or longer right. and very often as i said earlier they're often the older people and mm -hmm. they may be the people that are in more senior management because they've seen the benefit that comes from mindfulness meditation so right. um that's the the hardest part is to get people to come on a regular basis and continue to participate and also just simply to build trust. Because mm, Homeboy Industries is, I don't think you've ever been down there. But no, I, but, yet, but yeah. they're mostly, uh, mostly still Chicano people, mm -hmm. Hispanic people, at mm -hmm. least from South America, Central America, but also now black people and some Asian people. But they've all been through very difficult lives and it's hard for them to trust somebody like me. They see an old white guy walk in mm -hmm. who's a professor and it takes a while to build trust. And I do that by talking as honestly as I can be about my own experience, mm -hmm. my own case about talking about alcoholism and addictions mm -hmm. and letting them know that I have seriously struggled with those questions. And that usually helps to some significant degree. Because right. uh, I don't know if you know this, but I think the data shows that 80% of the people in the California state prison system have either substance, risky substance use behaviors or actual substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So there's, substances are an important part of what happens uh, in getting people into prison. And so identifying with that aspect of their lives sometimes gives me a little bit of a better opportunity to build trust and to communicate, you know, so. All right. Okay. Um, any life learning that you think you, had, you take away while you're teaching inside the prison? Well, Father, Father Greg Boyle, who started the Homeboy Industries, like, says that um, sooner or later we all realize that kindness is the only strength there is and that kindness is an extremely powerful force. He also talks a great deal about kinship, about not thinking reflexively in terms of them and us. Mm -hmm. And we divide up ourselves 
by in, in by different forms of identity very much, and by class values, by ethnic values, by you know heterosexual gender values, mm-hmm. patriarchy. I mean, a whole variety of ways that we divide ourselves up and judge other people. And I think it's you know the whole practice at Homeboys has been helps me to counter a lot any of those tendencies that I find in myself. So. Mm-hmm. so. Okay. Or uh, as an outsider, what do you think? Like as an outsider, what what kind of misconception we can have about the people? Like you know, whoever is in the prison or who just came out of the prison? Like you know, like what concept misconception? Well, mostly it's mostly uh, in my experience, it's fear. People are frightened. You, mm-hmm. you th- we think that either people who have gotten into prison have actually done things mm-hmm. that, that are frightening, uh-huh. and sometimes they have, okay. I mean, some violence, mm-hmm. various kinds. Or once they've been in prison, they've, been, they've learned violence and they've been living in a violent environment. So to me, those are the factors that often interfere with my ability to, you know, I, I notice my own apprehension or fear. Also, my self-consciousness, as I said earlier, about trying to prove myself trustworthy to them, I think it's important to try and be as direct and honest about my own experience as I can be. Mm-hmm. So I try and do those things. So, so. Okay, because, like, even I was taking another interview with the other guy. He said when he shared his experience, they feel more closer to him to That's be right. able to share. That's what I was saying and about like, building trust yeah. and about talking about mm-hmm. my experience with addictions, with alcoholism and drugs, you know, so... But do you think, like, the person who doesn't have, like, you know, if they don't have such kind of story, do you think for prisoners it's hard to believe, like, believe them or to have build that trust well, on them? Well, I think the other thing to do then, and if it's not that particular issue, uh-huh. is to try and be emotionally honest. Yeah. Like, if you're struggling with issues. For example, uh-huh. one of the things we often do when we start a meditation is I just go around the room and have everyone check in. Right. Like, what are you doing today? How are mm-hmm. you feeling today at this mm-hmm. moment? Are you under Are you under stress for any reason? And when I do that, I also check in. So mm-hmm. I also just let them know what's going on in my life mm-hmm. that may be disturbing me or problem. You know, raising. I try and talk honestly about the problems that are that are giving me some sense of stress in my day. So that's what I would suggest for anyone who you, it, not talking about drugs and alcohol, but talking about as honestly and as insightfully as you can about yeah. what what are the stressors mm-hmm. in your life or in our lives today. So. so. That's it. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you, Thank Professor. you. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, can you give me a little bit of uh, introduction about yourself, what you do, and how long you've been uh, uh, doing volunteer work in the prison project? My name is Venerable Sumitta. I'm a Buddhist monk from Sri Lanka doing PhD here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been um, volunteering for the prison project for, for around three, four years. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, what motivates you to work for the prison project? Um, well, as a Buddhist monk, we always go to help others. So somebody asked me if I can um, join, so I said yes. Mm-hmm. So I go there like once a month. Okay. Do you think teaching inmates about mindfulness meditation allows space for them to consider themselves as a part of the human community? Like, because normally, since they make some kind of crime and all, like, people have a lot of judgment on them, right? So, 
do you think when you teach the meditation like you know it helps them to open up their mind like you know to accept their self like do you think that kind of benefits they can see and it helps them of course i think you know they people do do things and uh but when we when we help them they first of all they they try to recognize themselves and then they start um you know correcting fixing their problems mm-hmm. and most of us don't have time to look into ourselves sometimes most of the time in fact mm-hmm. so it really helps them actually so what we do is we try to help them to look into themselves and um so if you know yourself there is a better chance for you to fix uh, some things i think in in the the prison um there is a special community there these people already have been marginalized mm-hmm. um so when they come out they always have a lot of challenges even inside the prisons they have many challenges okay. some people don't necessarily want to involve in um wrong things but sometimes you are forced to mm-hmm. uh do things so we try to help them to mm-hmm. maintain that inner peace mm-hmm. and strong inside right. so that they don't want to be a part of any any gang activity or any drug uh, mm-hmm. stuff so even if they come out somehow so we don't want them to go back to the prison most of the people when they come out um they don't have any any good atmosphere here outside the society here mm-hmm. they don't welcome them yeah. so they don't have a job they don't have any good friends and they feel alone kind of they don't want to stay here and they do something else and go back to the prison to see their friends oh, this is the tragedy so we try oh. to help them not to lose that mm. inner peace and once they come out we try we want to help them mm-hmm. to stay here to motivate themselves to inspire themselves mm-hmm. and do something so that they don't want to go back to the prison okay perfect thank you so much um as there are many different ways to practice mindfulness meditation which which practice do you use with the in the project like you know when you go inside the project like they have body scanning sitting meditation like watching your breathing walking meditation which one do you use in particular when you i think we we teach all of them okay we plus um we would like to start with the the, the breathing meditation mm-hmm. and uh, so we uh, focus on breathing meditation and then we also uh, can shift to other meditations like uh, loving kindness meditation uh-huh. and then we also have the sitting meditation of course and then standing walking mm-hmm. even while working mm-hmm. uh, especially in the prison uh, when somebody meditates that would be weird mm-hmm. especially if you are in a in a community like that so i even ask them to when while watching the tv for example just mm-hmm. watch tv but you are actually inside mm-hmm. you are meditating 
So you pretend to be watching TV, but you are meditating. Mm. So you don't you don't disturb. You don't get disturbed by others. Right. Others sometimes people don't like others to meditate. <laughs> mm. You know, mm-hmm. they might do something even mm-hmm. harmful. Mm-hmm. You, you never know. So like by reading a book or something, you're not reading a book. You're really actually inside. You're meditating. You're watching TV like that, but inside you're meditating. Mm. So others think you're you're watching TV, so you're fine. Mm. <laughs> so we we had to um, be creative mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, do something so that they can. Uh, meditation is not only sitting; mm-hmm. it's it's everything mm-hmm. with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Like every yeah. work you everything do, you do with mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, be more alert, more aware of what you do, mm-hmm. to live right here, right now, mm-hmm. is meditation too. Right. Okay. Uh, what are the misconceptions we might have about prison or prisoners, you know, as an outsider? Like the people who never been to prison or the people who are outside and when they see, like, you know, what do you think, what are the misconceptions we can have? About. First of all, they think uh, these people are all bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are scared. Mm-hmm. Many people don't want to go there. They think, oh, how do you go there? That's not a place for you to go. Right. You know, they, you might be hurt by them or mm-hmm. something. They, they don't know that they are also human beings. Right. Sometimes people outside are more... Uh, sometimes even worse than them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some of the prison, prisoners, I think they they have been there due to some kind of a misunderstanding. Even maybe they haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. Because the legal system judge yeah. them uh, to be so-called criminals, mm-hmm. but they maybe they haven't done it. Mm-hmm. So maybe the lawyers have proved them. And some people actually have done because of out of sudden impassion. Right. They have done something. Mm-hmm. And so in the prison, they really suffer. Like they repent. Mm. Some even cry. Mm. They repent for the rest of their life. You mm. never know. Sometimes they, they have done something which they never thought uh, would lead them mm-hmm. to prison like that. Mm-hmm. And now they suffer. They repent. They 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 really miss their families mm. and they miss their friends they miss their freedom mm. now it's the cell sometimes i remember first day we uh, i took some fresh flowers uh, and they all want to wanted to smell that mm. and touch that oh is it a real flower or something i really felt uh, very touched by that because mm. you know they also have emotions. Right. Definitely. Yeah. People outside should really feel, uh, I think, at least if you should not judge them. Mm-hmm. Because none of us is, I think, perfect. Yeah. We all do mistakes. Mm-hmm. We all do wrong things. Mm-hmm. But um, it's only when it comes to the legal yeah. uh, framework. That also, you have escaped, mm. you know. But inside, you ask yourself, inside, how many things you have done that mm-hmm. you would not have liked to do. Mm-hmm. 
also like i heard like some of your childhood trauma can lead you to such actions you know i mean like they yeah. don't want to do it but they still get into it because yeah, of yeah. the traumatic events they've been through and yeah, all maybe so. the social pressure maybe yeah. the family pressures mm-hmm. maybe the 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 marital marital relationship mm-hmm. problem with that yeah. could have led to those things mm-hmm. too your childhood memories or experiences you had all those things could lead them mm-hmm. uh, to be um, living here today in in the present right okay thank you so much okay what benefits do you experience from teaching meditation for yourself and for them do you, what do you think see what we do is when i go there it's the whole day for me mm-hmm. I go volunteer. Yeah. I don't I don't earn anything. Mhm. We just go there offer our service and mm-hmm. it's the whole day when I come back. I used to go I remember the first uh, many months I would we can't eat anything. We I I had only water sometimes. Inside the whole day. Cannot eat inside? No, we can't take anything. Yeah, you only water. I think even water is restricted right now i i'm not sure that uh-huh. but yes so it's like 100 miles from here mm-hmm. so back and forth with the traffic you can imagine the time mm-hmm. so most of the time it was a very tiring day mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i feel so good mm. um it motivated me because mm. i felt them i saw them Mm-hmm. um seeing me and listening to me and asking like some questions from mm-hmm. me they felt so happy you know mm-hmm. and uh, i used to chant bless them and um we would talk to them q and a sessions where we would listen to them patiently and mm-hmm. uh, there were many uh, many benefits for them definitely mm-hmm. yeah but for ourselves because yeah. we human beings we also should do something that that's our um, moral duty to take care of our fellow human beings regardless of their you know all kinds of differences your class your your race your religion mm-hmm. your culture your language doesn't really matter mm-hmm. as long as you help others right i think all religions preach this thing so i do that whole heartedly i'm really very um happy about that mm. okay thank you uh, um how do the prisoners respond to the mindfulness meditation do you think they continue the practice uh practicing meditation even after they are out of the prison or like you know do you think they continue that path or they just don't do it um see it depends on some people most of the people in the prison if they hear when the the prison authority announces that the buddhist chaplains are there mm-hmm. and you know, nobody forces you and you come then if somebody comes there is something mm-hmm. there is something in that person they definitely want to learn mm-hmm. they want to practice mm-hmm. and they are very serious right. in the cells even they practice right there are some people who are really interested in uh-huh. practicing more learning more about meditation so it's a different thing 
I think in uh, our society maybe we force people maybe <laughs> you should come or something mm-hmm. uh, in the class for example if everyone uh, is there so they can do that or it's different in the prison mm-hmm. if somebody goes there for for uh, to meet a Buddhist chaplain mm-hmm. uh, there is something very uh, serious about that I, I will notice that they practice mm-hmm. even outside the prison mm-hmm. uh, because they they know the benefit okay. if you yeah, yeah, if yeah. you Definitely. if you teach them the benefits if you teach them the meditation when they practice they know it is beneficial to them mm-hmm. so they definitely practice it right okay but um having said that there might be some people still you mm-hmm. know when they come out <laughs> they after after long years in the prison if they come out sometimes you see this freedom mm-hmm. uh it is so overwhelming For and them. they get carried away too you never know yeah, <laughs> but i i'm sure those people who practice meditation they they see the benefit and mm-hmm. uh, this is also one thing we need to emphasize there mm-hmm. because you go out after years in the prison so mm-hmm. make sure you don't get carried away by these trends mm-hmm. so you keep your inner peace try to maintain that mm-hmm. and then you can sustain wherever you are mm-hmm. inside or outside the prison it's okay wherever you are you should be stronger inside right then you can survive <laughs> What are the goals and objectives of meditation class within the prisons? Like, what are the goals and objectives you have within the class? As I said, I think it's um, it's to ease out their pressure. Okay. Because they they anxiety, they are depression, they are anger, um, they are hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. and also especially the suffering they have because they are here mm-hmm. in the prison even if they want to do something they can oh, do okay. that their freedom is restricted to a greater extent mm-hmm. so uh, we try to help them to ease out their pressure mm-hmm. to live at the present moment and by st- being stronger yourself finding that inner peace mm-hmm. uh, you don't feel embarrassed mm-hmm. anymore so we try to strengthen them right thank you uh do you have any stories of inmates that you can share how does he or she incorp- incorp- incorporate yeah in mindfulness meditation their daily life yeah aha i remember um So one day one prisoner was watching TV mm-hmm. and he said somebody in the back uh, was coughing at him. Okay. You know in the he was a big guy. Uh-huh. So when somebody did like that uh, he looked and that guy was coughing at his face. So it was very infuriating. It's very irritating. Mhm. and especially for a big guy or somebody in the prison that would easily let them to a fight mm-hmm. um and also that might have extended their prison stay oh. yeah if you are involved in the prison you know mm-hmm. your your punishment can be even Increased. more serious yeah so this guy immediately 
remembered um, my meditation. Mm. Um, and then he didn't uh, react to that. And then that guy did it again. So that was like inviting uh, him to a trouble. Mm. So he immediately recognized it. And he when uh, he thought he would should not stay there, mm-hmm. so he went out of it, and then he uh, went to his cell and he started um, um, closed his eyes and he felt the whole body was burning. Oh. Yeah, it was like burning with yeah. fury and anger, mm-hmm. and then he started to calm down, mm. meditate, breathing, focusing, and then. He felt so good, mm. and um, yeah, there are some more like I think after a couple of we uh, couple of times or something when I went there, somebody brought me a painting. Painting, oh yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Buddha's painting. Mm. A prisoner uh, did a beautiful Buddha uh, mm. painting right. for me. Mm. I never expected that, and he gave. It to me as a pres- uh, uh, you know pra- uh, reward, uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, we can't take anything out, oh. and also they get a very small salary. I think they get like ten cents or something per hour. Uh-huh. So you can imagine they also do work, like yeah. work study in the school. Uh-huh. So they also work there, and the small salary they get. I was so surprised after a few days I received that by post, by mail. I was really, really surprised. Mm -hmm. And that that was a really pleasant surprise to me. Mm. And then when we uh, organized the Buddhist art exhibition at the University of the West, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got one Buddha statue made out of bread. Wow. One prisoner made a Buddha statue made out of bread, bread beautifully carved and painted and it's just so cool. Mm. It, it's a very unique one. And another one made another Buddha statue uh, of soap, a piece mm. of soap. These are some of the things I think I would uh, remember forever. Mm. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um. What do you think like about yoga? Like, do you think yoga and meditation go hand in hand? I definitely agree. I, I feel it's really useful because I have been doing that too mm-hmm. in our temple. Um, so for years I have been working with another friend of mine. So he would do the yoga part, mm-hmm. I would do the meditation. Um, yoga can uh, physically help them to settle in their seats mm-hmm. and their posture and also many things um, physically very helpful mm-hmm. and we don't do very strenuous yoga it's right. like um, easy basic, yeah. basic uh, mm-hmm. uh, breathing and some stretchings right. and that eventually really helps um, mm-hmm. uh, the others to practice meditation mm-hmm. I myself found it's very useful, useful yeah uh, what are some results you have seen after teaching meditations and do you have any future goals? Results from uh, teaching meditation? Um, I have already seen, as I shared with you uh-huh. already, mm-hmm. the prisoners have yeah. been benefited. benefited. They, 
Some of them even wanted to become monks. Wow. I was really surprised. Mm. Some of them wanted to say, like, they wanted to dedicate the rest of their life for Buddhism, to mm. promote Buddhism. Mm. Because they found uh, the unique strength yeah. they gained. So they, they wanted to uh, do something like that. Even outside the society, when I teach meditation, a lot of people, they, they find it very useful yeah. for their own uh, daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they notice that their aggressive um, nature has uh, cut mm-hmm. down. Yeah. So they become more peaceful and more patient. Mm-hmm. And some people also could uh, um, uh, get rid of some of the bad habits they mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's overall there are so many benefits uh, for them. As the the goal, I think, of course, as a Buddhist monk, to to get rid of all these sufferings, right. <laughs> to become an arahant, mm-hmm. may be my goal. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, can you give a brief definition of mindfulness meditation in your own words? Like, what do you think? personally for yourself like really meditation no mindfulness meditation meditation. see as i said mindfulness meditation is to be mindful in whatever you do Mm -hmm. when you work when you walk when you talk when you uh, even sleep Mm -hmm. you know even when you take shower yeah you you have to be mindful Mm -hmm. that really helps you right you observe your breathing Mm-hmm. You observe your feelings, right. you observe your emotions. Mm-hmm. That helps you so much. If we can do it all the time, yeah. um, you, uh, you become actually enlightened. Right, definitely. Uh, it's so hard, it's so challenging, but uh, you should do it in different atmospheres. For example, at the beginning, a lot of people, they, they can meditate when there is some other noise mm-hmm. or distractive situations. So at the beginning, people want to practice alone mm-hmm. or practice in a very silent place. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, I recommend yeah, you learn this technique and go outside and apply. Mm-hmm. You talk to people, you have to mingle with the society. Right. You can get rid of uh, the society, you can run away from the society. Mm-hmm. You go to all these places and test yourself right. how it has it is affecting you. Mm-hmm. And I have tried. I have tried uh, tried even in the snow mm. how to meditate. Um, so I have tried e- even in very hot um, outside weather mm-hmm. to meditate. Mm-hmm. And uh, recently, I even tried in the the sea ocean mm. by. You know, facing the the sea, mm-hmm. the waves. Mm-hmm. I was trying to focus on the wave patterns, mm-hmm. sounds, mm-hmm. and it it's so much uh, peaceful and uh, amazing, very wonderful. Yeah. So wherever you are, yeah. try to practice it mm-hmm. while driving, yeah. while cooking, mm-hmm. while working, mm-hmm. even while talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should practice it. Right. Yeah. And even when you are alone, mm-hmm. you should um, be mindful. Right. Because some people are worried they are, they are alone, nobody yeah, is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if you live with somebody, you always have problems. 
you know. Yeah. So it's always challenging whether you are alone or with somebody, whether you work or not, mm-hmm. whether you're a monk or a lay person, it doesn't matter. Right. If you are mindful, it really can help you. Mm-hmm. When you are stronger inside, right. you mm-hmm. can radiate that power, the mm-hmm. energy to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Appreciate it. It was really good. It was really good.